Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, it's such an honor to be in your house. Thank you so much for having me here, guys. Take your seats. Uh, good to see so many friendly faces as well. And uh, yeah, I love Jason and Susan. They're amazing, incredible family. You guys have a really cool church. Okay. You guys. You guys have an amazing church. Sorry, I've got to stay here. Um, but since you guys have an amazing church, incredible church, I think there is so much hope for this part of the city uh, with this church being here. And so thank you. Thank you for um, running the race uh, in the last crazy season that we've been through. Um, my name is Sven. It's an honor to be here. And uh, my wife would be here, except we're planning birthday parties. We've got three birthday parties in three hours. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have too much food and enjoy it. Then I've got to be at church tonight. Um, so it's going to be fun. Uh, I've got a few minutes to go, but I want to share a story with you. Um, but before we do that, if we could just pray, please, because I just want God to speak to us in this moment and to, to have his word illuminated. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this church. God, thank you for worship today to refresh our hearts, to refresh our faith, and to, to keep you in the biggest view of our life. Father, I pray that uh, you would change us and mold us and transform us today. Lord, I pray that our minds would be open and our hearts would be receptive to the preaching of your word, that it would uh, in, bear an incredible harvest of righteousness in our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, as a boy, my dad, um, he bought some boats. He, he had a little, like a, a rubber duck and we'd go cray fishing. Now, I don't eat seafood. I don't like when they snap at you, but it was a cool experience to, to do some cray fishing. Um, and then he, 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 uh, he got another boat, which is more like a cruiser, um, and that was cool. Um, I would never want to own a boat. Um, I think it's better to know someone who has a boat than to actually own a boat. Uh, same thing with a swimming pool. But um, we, uh, he, we had this boat and we would just travel. And, and the thing is, like, I'll, 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 get, I'll get seasick up here. You know, I'm not, I do not have a strong constitution on the waves. Not at all. Especially when you start drifting like that, it's, ooh, it's like a green quick. But um, this one time, we, we were members at this boating club, a yacht club in Cape Town, just next to the VNA waterfront. And I remember us, us coming in, my dad and his girlfriend and myself were on this boat for a while. It was an incredible, incredible afternoon. And then um, actually find ourselves uh, drifting because the engine had cut out. So we're all, we're like, I can see the yacht club, but we're, we're drifting now because there's no way to get to the yacht club because you, know, you can't get out and row. It's like, there's a big boat and it's a big engine. And so we're trying to, my dad's trying to figure out how to get this, this, um, this motor going. Now in my family, he is far from mechanical, okay? Um, far from, but he's trying, he's giving his best because the problem is as you're drifting, you're drifting towards the shore, which is not where the boat club is. It's next to the boat club and there's a whole bunch of rocks there. And that's a very expensive thing to crash into. And so um, we were, were drifting and he's trying, he's trying. And we, only, we didn't realize, and then we realized, oh, flip, we're on top of the rocks almost. And so when we, when we do eventually board onto the rocks, my dad's like, run, go get help at the yacht club because, you know, there's a panic. Now, you don't want this boat to be smashed to pieces here. So I ran and we, everything got sorted out. It was, it was and he actually, got, <laughs> he actually got the motor to go. And then it took the edge of his girlfriend's finger off because she had her hand in the motor. Anyway, don't do that um, if you like your digits. But here's the thing. Anchors keep us from idle drifting. And today my message is really called Anchored. 
that we have something anchored that keeps us from idle drifting. In my story, the motor is like our faith. When our faith is disengaged or our faith is broken in a season that's highly turbulent, we will find ourselves bobbling, bobbing along on the water, drifting because our faith is no longer able to move us forward. Faith is powerful. Faith moves you. Faith pleases God. Faith is the, the fuel for the Christian life. And so we have to be people of faith. But in this season of life, faith can be tested and faith can be broken. And some people have disengaged from faith. And when that happens, we can find ourselves drifting. And when we find ourselves drifting, we need to be sure that we have anchors in our life that keep us from drifting to the rocks. Because there is a force at work in the world today that wants to shipwreck your life. You got to understand that. They want to shipwreck your faith. But God turns all things to the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So there's great hope. And so we need to be engaged with our faith, but we also need to have an anchor that holds us steadfast. I don't know about you, but for me, the world has lost its mind. The world is crazy right now. I mean, people are making decisions with zero intelligence, and it's affecting everybody. But not only that, there's so many things that are divisive in the world today. So many isms and schisms. There's rising prices, there's travel restrictions, there's economic pressure, there's health pressure, there's work pressure, there's relational pressure. There's a new villain in the Transformers movie called Omicron. There is so much happening in the world and it's crazy. And I don't know about you, but the last two years has been, for me personally, it has been like turbulent like never before. And I would love to give you the hope and say, don't worry, guys, the government's got it all sorted. The world knows what they're doing. It's going to be solved. The reality is, I think, these things will continue to come, and Jesus warned us of it. He said, the world will go crazy, but don't worry, because I am coming soon. And so what we need in a world that is turbulent and shaking is we need anchors that will hold our faith firm and hold our faith secure because the world would love nothing more than to rob your faith, steal your joy, take away your hope, and have you drift into the way that the world is trying to shape the, shape the lives of people. That's the reality of the place that we're living in. But I love it so much that Jesus, in his wisdom, has helped us to stay secure in shaking. There is a shaking. But there are things that cannot be shaken. It's the things that he gives us. And so that's why these anchors are so important. I was doing a series recently um, through 1 Peter in our church, and it was incredible, so we loved it. The reason why we did this series is because Peter was writing to the churches about having faith and living well in the midst of incredible persecution and trial. Peter was most likely, quite possibly nearing the end of his life, quite possibly imprisoned in Rome, the place that he would be executed. And he was writing to the church to say, you're gonna face trials, you're gonna face persecution, there's gonna be problems. However, you have hope. However, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. However, you are being built up into an incredible spiritual house. You might be facing trials, but something is beautiful out of those trials and God is bigger than it all. And so he is teaching the people how to have hope and how to have faith when everything seemed to be breaking around them. We're talking about um, a time where Christians would be lit on fire to light up the streets of Rome at night. It's not about getting a vaccine or not getting a vaccine. 
And by the way, please, just let's not, let's be in love with Jesus and in love with people when we talk about vaccines. Okay? We don't need to be divisive. Let people choose what they want to choose. Amen? I've got three hours here, guys, so like, (laughs) make of it what you want. But there are three things out of Peter that I want to share with you that work like strong, theological, and powerful anchors for us in a time of trial, in a time of persecution. And I believe it will strengthen you in the, in the year to come. I want, uh, my hope for the church is that it's going to be the best Christmas ever. Full of joy, full of happiness, full of generosity and kindness. And we're going to get there. We're going to have an incredible year ahead. But these are essentials for us. Three anchors. The three anchors in 1 Peter that I'm speaking on is that Jesus is the living hope. He is the living word. And he is the living stone. So if you are taking notes, then you can go to um, 1 Peter already. And we're going to read from chapter 1, verses 3. And the, the, the first section is this, that we need to be anchored to a living hope anchored to a living hope. This is what Peter says. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You know, we have a living hope. The powerful thing about having a living hope and not just having a hope is that if the, what we have our hope in is dead, it can have no effect on us. If your plant dies, that's it. It's not coming back. But while it's alive, you receive great joy, you receive something from it. The power of Jesus is that he is a living hope. Our hope isn't just in the fact that almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross to pay for the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, that put him up on that cross. It wasn't, our hope isn't just in that and just in the fact that he was raised from the dead. We don't just keep looking back. Because if we look back, we are great historians. But that truth impacts us today and going forward. He is a living hope. He is alive in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, praying and interceding on our behalf. We have a great and magnificent hope. But, but so many of us live in this convenience-driven world where we, we live for what we get our hands on today. I don't know if it's just, if it's just me. It's probably just me. You know, where it's like, can I get it quicker? Can I get it more conveniently? We get get parcels delivered to our house, and now I'm already, I can't believe it. They can't give me a time that they're coming. (laughs) Does that bother anybody else? Like, how do you not know? How do you not know in the next hour you're going to be there? Could you let me know? Let me know? Because what happens is you stay there all day, then you pop out to the shop. "Eh, Hello, I'm, I'm here to deliver your package. I'm like... We live in a convenience-driven world where we want convenience and we want comfort. And so what we do is we look at what we can find hope in for today. I don't know about you, but, but if you have hope in the things of this world, have hope that the world knows what they're doing and they're going to figure this problem out. Hope, that, um, hope in your career, that your career is the thing that's going to be the saving moment for your life. 
that the career that you're on is going to change your life. That that dream house that you've hope in, you, you've been saving, you've been praying, you've been believing, oh, you've got it. And all your hope is in that. Even Christians can have hope in worldly things. The problem with that, everything that is in this world has been shaken. And over the last two years, Philip, if you had hope in anything worldly, it was shaken, it was bruised, it was damaged. Relationship status changed like overnight in the last 18 months. People who were so committed were not committed. People who were having hope in businesses all of a sudden realized that they couldn't operate in business anymore because everything shut down. Whatever we have our hope in needs to be able to endure. That's what I love about what Peter says here is this hope, this living hope, it can never perish, spoil, or fade. Everything in this life will fade away. Everything will perish except what is from God because what is from God is imperishable. It is everlasting. It is enduring. To give you an idea um, from another writer, the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 6, I love the way that, that he puts it in verses 18 uh, through to 20. Sorry, they don't have this one, but God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, have, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, Jesus Christ, the high priest. I love, I love that so much. Because the world has been shaken and will continue to be shaken. If we have our hope in things of this life, though, when those things shake, we lose our hope. When we lose our hope, despair moves into your heart and shipwrecks your life. But there is a great hope that even in momentary afflictions and trials and persecutions and difficulties, we have a hope that will outlast the trials, persecutions, and difficulties. We have a hope that is strong, secure, and firm, and it is imperishable. When the writer of Hebrews is writing this passage, he's, he's writing it with the view that when you lay anchor in a harbor, you are immovable. There's no drifting. You have a strong hope and a strong a foundation that even though there is a storm and a trial going on, you're not going anywhere. I love it that it's not pointing to a past event, but it's pointing towards a current and future reality, that our hope is now anchored in someone and something secure. The way that he writes this is that, that Jesus has gone into the inner sanctuary. Now, we know that the temple and the tabernacle that was built on the earth was a replica of the one that's in heaven. And so there's this place where you could worship God up until a certain point. Then only one person, one time a year, who had authorization could go into the most holy place to atone for the sin of the nation. And what happened was is you couldn't go there unauthorized because you would die. God would kill you in his presence. And so what they would do is they would tie a rope and bells to the priest who would go in there. Can you, guys, what's the rope for? Yeah, just in case you die. Awesome. <laughs> Let's do this. Better make, I bet he repented real hard before he went in there. Like when I'm on an airplane, anybody else a nervous flyer? On the airplane, I'm, I'm confessing sins. I haven't even sinned yet. I'm like confessing everything. And so they would pull you out that way. It was such a holy place. But you see, the thing is, we could never go there. What Jesus did is he took our hope. He took a hope from where we were. 
And he carried it off into the presence of God, a place that we could not go to. And he anchored it there in the presence of God. So we might not be in the inner sanctuary. We might still be here, but we are connected to something and someone that is unshakable. There is no economic crisis in the presence of God right now. There is no sickness in the presence of God right now. There is no shaking. God is not running around heaven asking everyone to cover up with masks. Like God has not lost control. Everything in heaven is perfect as it should be glorifying God. But we're over here in the turbulence. And that's exactly what happens in a ship. You're in the turbulence, you're in the swell, you're in the water, but you're anchored to something secure so your life will never drift off and drift away because you're anchored to something certain and secure in the future, the salvation of your souls, our souls. There is no fight going on in heaven for your soul. That battle has been won by Jesus on the cross, raised from the dead, and he's given life eternal to every single person who believes. That is not up for debate. What is, up, sorry, what is up for debate is are you going to connect to that hope or not? Because nothing can move the anchor that's in the inner sanctuary. And as I was preparing this message, I was wondering how many abandoned anchors are we going to find in heaven? It's strongly and securely anchored there, but are we still connected here? And I just think as believers, we've got to live Live, live in such a way that we look forward to the day that we die. Look for because why? Because then the whole thing, that everything we've hoped for is gonna come to pass. The salvation of our souls. I'm not saying live in such a way that you're going to, like just make the most of your life and realize that the things that you're living for are eternal, unchanging, they're valuable. It's what you actually want Versus the things in this life that are here to be enjoyed, but not to be made gods of. That's the difference. Your wife, your husband, your spouse, your children, your, your job, your career, the amazing sporting ability you have is not the hope and the anchor for your soul. Jesus is, because he will never disappoint. And what he promises will never spoil or fade. If your hope is dead today, I want to encourage you. Jesus is alive. And so your hope is alive. While he remains alive, hope is alive. If you are in despair today, not wondering how you're going to get through this season, how you're going to, how you're going to move into next year, maybe you're ending the year and you've actually lost your job. And you go, how am I going to get into the new year? Can I tell you the person who's going to get you through into that employment or the person who's going to see you through hard days is your living hope. While he is alive, your hope is alive. Your marriage can make it. The promises of God are safe and secure. Let's continue to have hope in him. The second thing is this, that we need to be anchored to a living word. 1 Peter continues to write in chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, which is eternal, 
through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. You and I have a living, breathing word that brings us life in every season of life. I love how Peter is saying it's a seed. And Jesus echoes that, he said, well, he said it first, that the word is being sown out like seed into soil. And what happens with seed? When seed finds the right conditions, seed grows into a harvest. What kind of harvest? A harvest of life, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of blessing. And so when we allow God to sow his seed into us through his word, we connect ourselves to life. And it's not just like the words on the page are life. Jesus is life. In John 15, it says, if you abide in my word, I abide in you. Like there is something about God's word that, in, that brings the presence of God into our life and brings life into us. Whenever we read from scripture, we sow seed of truth into our hearts, into our life, and we reap the reward of truth. I've got people in my church who don't like to read the Bible. Anybody here? well done well done I was like whoa that's a trick question it's not that they don't like to read it they just get bored they don't know what's happening and I get that and we try to help people but the reality is you got to see this as a lifeline you got to see this as as a living breathing representation of Jesus Christ in your life because again in John chapter 1 Jesus is the word of God made flesh he is the logos He is the Word of God. And so you might read it and not understand it, and you might read it for years and not understand it, and all of a sudden, light comes into your mind, and revelation comes, and it is like a lifeline in that season of your life. The Word of God. We are called to be anchored, rooted, planted, saturated in God's Word because it's where we receive life, and it's where we receive light, revelation. I love it. It's also like food. Who here likes to eat? I love to eat. I've been eating all week. I, I, I can, I, I'm like, and we're going to eat plenty after this. We've got three birthday parties today. It's going to be amazing. I'm not going to eat well, but I'm going to eat a lot. But here's the thing. When we don't eat, we get sick, weak, and vulnerable. If you don't eat, if we don't eat from the Word of God, we become sick in our spirit. We become weak in our spirit. And we become vulnerable to the lies that the enemy wants to sow into our life. All of us here, it doesn't matter who you are, is battling with a lie today. How do I know? Because I was battling with a lie not 20 minutes ago. We all face these, this information that comes to us from the world, from media, from, from friends, from family, from inside of us, our insecurities, and these words are being sown into our life, and they are like seed, and they will also bear something in our life. They are called weeds that choke the life out of us. We need to continue to allow God's word to bring us life and light into our worlds. We need to be anchored in God's word because we receive nourishment into life. So the world wants to sow all kinds of things. You know what? You don't have to go further than Facebook. 
I'm not even going into TikTok or Instagram. I'm not even going into all of the new social media platforms that are out there. But the reality is there are lies happening all over the place. There are things, no, no, if you can only, if you can only grab out to this, this is the thing that's gonna save you. This is the thing that's gonna make you truly happy. And then once you get there, you're not happy. It's the arguments that start all over this social media because they want to, it's just this message that's out there. You're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You don't qualify. Give control over to your, of your life to, over to something else. The reality is you are going to make it. You are going to get through it. God is with you. God is for you. His word has final authority over your life. Then you choose to give it a place in your life. You go, this is light and life into my situation and circumstance. So you might believe you're not good enough, but the last thing that when I read from Scripture is to realize that God loves you so much that He would send what's most precious to Him just for you. Before Jesus did anything in His ministry, He heard the voice of the Father saying, my son whom I love and whom I'm, I'm pleased. You know that that's the same voice over your life? Before you do one thing for God, you are loved by God and called a child of God. That's how I need to be encouraged. You know, um, the last 18 months has been tough for everybody. But can I tell you what for most pastors have wanted to quit over the last 18 months? Not, not you guys. You guys are amazing. <laughs> but honestly, I've gone through a season where, God, if you pull the plug on this ministry, I am totally okay with that. I, can't, like, I don't know if I can take it. People saying things, lies here, there, whatever discouragement, like as a pastor, you could do no rights. You, you, you did one decision, people didn't like it. Other people, you went the other way, people didn't like it. You were just, and it was discouraging. And like, we're used to ministering to people we can see. Now we can't see people. And this attack from the enemy on pastors has been huge. I've honestly, I think I've, I've lost count. I've, I've probably wanted to quit more in the last 18 months than the last 10 years just telling you the truth this is where i'm at because i was listening to a voice of the enemy saying oh well, you see what they say about you is right you can't make it you're not good enough to build this church and you know what i had to come to the realization was he's right i can't build this church but jesus can and while he's called me while he's chosen me and what his word says about me remains true, I'm going to believe his word until he changes his word. But his word does not change. It is imperishable. It is powerful. It is eternal. And it gives life in every season. You will make it building your life anchored to the word of life and light. So how do you do this? Well, there's five ways. You can read it. You can study it. You can memorize it. Listen to it, which is preaching of God's word or podcast, or you can, and you can meditate on it. Meditation in a Christian sense is not going into a chance, emptying your mind. It's about chewing on the word of God in your brain. Yeah. And Phil Pringle says, says it's the thumb around the word of God that gives you a grip on God's word where you take a scripture and you just chew on it like a cow. You know, you're like, you, you, you read the scripture and you chew on it, you digest it, you bring it up later in the day, you chew on it some more, you put it away. Later that week, you chew on it some more, you put it away. And that kind of meditation is the digestive faculty of the human spirit where you get light and life from the word of God because you get revelation and you see. I wanna encourage you that in this season where things are full of turmoil and you don't, we, 
Who here is planning more than six months into the future? I bet nobody. I did a budget. It was a faith budget where I think we'll be in a year's time. I have no cooking clue. There's too much turbulence, but what I do know is that God gives me life through his word. And if I stay anchored to his word, I stay anchored to the truth, which is powerful. Amen. Is this helping anybody today? It's all right. So what is sustaining you right now? What is God saying to you? Encourage you to get a scripture in this season. The third and final point as I close is that we need to be anchored to a living stone. A living stone. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 2, I love it how Peter just uses three titles for, for the Lord here, like living hope, living word, and living stone. In chapter 2, verse 4, he says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. I love that. My prayer in this season has been, God, we're taking steps of faith. Please don't let me, <laughs> let me not be ashamed. I don't mind looking foolish, but I don't want people to, I don't want people to go, you just got it all wrong. God, don't let me be foolish. And I realized, as I preached this message to our church a couple of weeks ago on this stone, it's a cornerstone, the most important stone in any building in the ancient world. It was the, it was the stone that was, it took the most time to shape. It was, built of the, it was made of the highest quality stone. The reason is, is because it was set in one of the corners of the building like a foundation stone. The whole building would take its shape and have its integrity from this one stone. Pretty big deal. And I realize that's good news for you and me today because it means that Jesus, who is the living stone, can handle the weight of my worship. He can handle the weight of my hope. He can handle the weight of my desire. He can handle the weight of my struggles. He can handle the weight of my disappointments. He can handle the weight of my suffering. He can handle all of the weight because He is the living, breathing stone set in the foundation of the Christian life that will never break apart, who will never fail, who is fully secure, who all of our hope is anchored into. He can handle the weight because only He is worthy. But when we anchor our life into something of this world where we make something else the cornerstone, your spouse, your family, whatever, and that's the cornerstone. If you lose that, you lose everything. Because you've, you've rested your whole life on it. People, things, organizations are going to let you down. But Jesus will never let you down. He is a strong and secure cornerstone. He can handle the weight. But not only is the cornerstone that can handle the weight, he's also the cornerstone that we take our alignment of life in. See, what would happen is the cornerstone will be set. If it was out a little bit, they'd have to correct it because this building, this whole shape of this building was gonna be taken off this cornerstone. 
So I love it how Peter says, as we come to him, the living stone, we find alignment because we shape our life according to his shape. The direction of our life is determined by the direction of his life. And as we are being built up into a spiritual house, the the scripture says, we find blessing and security. We find favor in God. We find everything. The life that we truly want comes out of being built off this cornerstone. But you and I, we're different. We like to build our own life. We like to go our own way. We like to pick and choose what we're gonna believe and how we're gonna follow Jesus. What's gonna make the most sense to us in this season of life? How can I make a snap decision? But the reality is, as soon as you do that, you go out of alignment to what God is trying to build. And when you're out of alignment, you need a snot up. Because that's what happens when a brick is out of alignment, isn't it? They, they knock it to get lined. It gets corrected. It gets disciplined. It gets helped. Because blessing flows from alignment, from unity with Christ. But that unity isn't just between you and Christ. It's between you and everybody else in this room today. Because you see, we think, oh, Jesus is building my life. He's the stone and the cornerstone of my life. And that is true and that is amazing, but it's incomplete because Jesus is not building your life. He's not building your marriage. He's not building your career. He's building one thing. He's building the church. And out of the church, your marriage is blessed. Out of the church, your career is blessed. Out of the church, your life is blessed. Your children find favor and blessing in the house. I tell our church, I tell our leaders that you can only build with what's around. But in this shaking, people have had different cornerstones. But what happens is, if you're not around to be built into the spiritual house, you're out somewhere else. What happens to a brick that's disconnected from the building? Nothing. Nothing. But when you're built into the people around you in the local church, what he is building, you find friendship, healing, you find encouragement, you find strength, you bear the weight with one another, you get discipled, you get disciplined, you get you find your fit, you find your purpose in life. And that is what Jesus is building in the earth today. We find our shape from Him. So this is not a calling to to convenient Christianity or casual Christianity, because no such thing exists. If you wanna be a casual Christian, that's up to you, but you are most likely going to be shaken through the events of the world. But as you realize that He is my hope, He is my word, and He is my cornerstone, and everything I do will be from that basis, you are living unshakable, immovable, and you're positioning yourself to receive the light and life that is in Jesus Christ. You will not be shaken because He's got you. Do you mind to close your eyes for just a moment? I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you that maybe it's been a difficult season And if you can just raise your hand and say, Lord, I I just want to receive life today. I just, I need that hope. You can't go out and do all three things, but you can do one thing. Let's pray for that one thing, for hope, for a a foundation, a cornerstone, for the Word of God. If you raise your hands to heaven, I'm just going to pray. God's going to give you hope, peace, joy. 
Father, I thank you for people who are raising their hands in your house today. I'm sorry, like, could I say something, Jason? Is it okay? (laughs) You don't know what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. What I'm seeing around me now, it looks like despair. Because honestly, I I think we all need great hope. And I, I see maybe five or six people in the room with their hands up, and that's fine. But either you believe that God actually wants to give you something today, or you don't believe in the power of God. And I'm not, I'm not rebuking or anything like that. I'm just saying, this is an invitation to say, God, I want something that only you can give me today. And that's why I wanna pray for you. So if that is you, and please don't do this because of what I just said, but if you really wanna receive something from the Lord today, I wanna invite you to raise your hands to Him. Everybody's got their eyes closed. They're not looking around. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have come to meet with us today. And Father, as this invitation goes out, I just pray right now that people will be filled with hope and courage and strength and fortitude. People will be lifted up and to know that you are not letting go of us, that you have got us in the palm of your hand. Father, I pray for peace that transcends understanding. I pray for healing in marriages, healing in bodies. Father God, I pray that anxiety has no determining word over people's lives, but your word is the truth that transcends all other truth. And I thank you, Lord, that your truth will win the day. I thank you for hope in marriages. I thank you that you've got our children in the palm of your hands. We will not be begging for bread because you are our provider. And I pray you fill us with the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. Amen.